Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I'm Tim Matheson, and you are listening to the amazing, colossal. Gilbert Gottfried's Clef fucking podcast. Hold on. <laughs> That's the one. That's it. <laughs> That's the one. Now, I am Tim Matheson, and you are listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal fucking podcast. <laughs> I'll give you a straight one. Thank that? you, buddy. Hey, I'm Tim Matheson, and you are listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. Now say fuck. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a comedian, actor, and world-famous ventriloquist, and one of the most popular and enduring entertainers of the last 50 years. Appearing on TV and in films, headlining in nightclubs and Vegas hotels, and even recording a hit comedy album entitled Hello Dummy. You also know his work from movies like Coming Home and Americathon, TV game shows such as Match Game and Hollywood Squares, and dozens of sitcoms talk shows and variety shows, including Rowan and Martin's Laughing, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, The Flip Wilson Show, Sammy and Company, The Merv Griffin Show, The Jeffersons, The Hollywood Palace, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and The Late Show with David Letterman, to name a few. As the host and MC of Motown Records' long-running Motortown Review, he helped introduce the world to future music legends Smokey Robinson, Diana Ross, The Supremes, The Four Tops, Marvin Gaye, and Stevie Wonder. And he would go on to work with and alongside icons like 
The Jackson, Sammy Davis Jr., Jane Fonda, Steve Allen, Flip Wilson, Lily Tomlin, Muhammad Ali, and John Wayne. Please welcome to the podcast a man whose long and successful showbiz journey began with an ad for ventriloquism school in Popular Mechanics magazine. The fabulous Willie Tyler and Lester. <laughs> Don't forget Lester. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, no, he, he's on the way. He's, he's out. He's oh, he's stuck in traffic. He's got his, his skateboard is outside someplace. <laughs> he's trying to find a place to put it. You, know. you like wow, that intro. A, yeah, wow. There's a lot of stuff there. I, I, as you were saying, as you were talking, it yeah. reminds me. It reminded me. Oh, what? That reminded me of all that stuff when, as you were talking. Yeah, you've done a lot of stuff, Willie. Yeah, I had had forgotten about that. And and we worked together, and I can't for the life of me. Well, we didn't actually work together. We both appeared on one show. Yeah, we were in uh, in a room together, something doing something, uh, waiting for something. I, I remember yeah, that well. Yeah, we were at read through, and we said hello. And I first thing I said to you is, "Where's Lester?" <laughs> and and you yeah. pointed to a box on the floor, yeah, and I remember yeah. thinking, "What a scumbag this Willie Tyler is." <laughs> <laughs> that he puts Lester in a box. <laughs> no, he, he's he's a hermit. You know, he's yeah. a hermit. <laughs> but yeah. you didn't even punch air holes. But he's, but he's used to that kind of stuff, you know. Oh, and my son. Those little wooden guys. My son, eight years old, wants to say hello to you. Oh, he met him. Well, yeah, yeah. Chiller. yeah, I met him. I met him. Yeah, I met him there. Yeah, yeah. Dara, yeah. Dara was at uh, Chiller Fest in New Jersey, and Willie yeah. Willie was signing autographs, and uh, Dara walked over there with, with Max. Yeah, yeah. I was signing autographs for Lester too because I have power of attorney. <laughs> oh, very smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can't oh, figure gee. out what you guys worked on together. Hang on. No, the, I, the phone's going I, off, Willie. That's all right. Can't that's for the, the life of me. I just remember sitting in a in a read through. What if we went through all of Willie's credits on IMDb and maybe <laughs> some, something will <laughs> jog your memory. You know, I'm trying to think. I don't, it, it, well, it either had to be here, here out, out in L.A. or New York. But I, uh, my I, guess, it, it was just LA. Only, the only two places. The only two yeah. places. That but is is Willie familiar with the ventriloquist act that you and Belzer used to do? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I I used to. Uh, me and 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 Richard Belzer used to do a ventriloquist act called Dick and Stinky, uh. and. Uh, and and I'd sit on Richard's lap, and he'd go, "Hey, welcome to the show, Stinky." And I'd go, "This audience can go fuck themselves." It was a blue ventriloquism. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh boy! You know what? Basically, I, in my in my act, nine out of ten times, it's like. Uh, we don't even do, do expletives, but you know, what happens? The reason why you don't say we won't say that the the f word. Reason why I can't say the f word because my lips will move. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. that's God. great. That's great. You ever, you ever, you ever try to say that? You say it without moving your oh, lips. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's that's difficult. So do you that's try almost, to take? Do you try to take all f words, all words that start with f, out of the? Uh, no, but uh, it, it's just the that bit? No, that just 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 that, that one. particular word. That's so, a strange kind of. That's a strange sounding word. Interesting. So 
as well, I mean, without moving your lips. So the only reason <laughs> you don't say fuck in your act is because because the lips move. <laughs> It didn't stop Otto and George. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell us, Gil, Gilbert alluded to it in the intro, uh, uh, Willie, but to tell us about, I found this fascinating, the ventriloquism school in Michigan. Yeah, what, were you were just reading Popular Mechanics, or how did this yeah, come up? No, no, I, I, I started ventriloquism, trying to fool around with it when I was about 10 years old. But I was in school one day, elementary school, and in the library they had a, a magazine, Popular Mechanics magazine. Mm-hmm. And in that Popular Mechanics magazine, they had an ad. An ad was in the back of, back of the uh, magazine. It said, learn ventriloquism. And this particular uh, school, correspondence school, was just outside of Detroit in Gross Point Woods. You know, that, that's where, that's where uh, Ford, the guy that built all the cars, that's where, you know, they, mm-hmm. it's a very affluent area. But anyway, it's like uh, my, my teacher one day, she, uh, we drove out to the school, to the correspondence school. We drove out there, and, and the lady, Madeline Mayer, I talked to her, and, she, and I got a, a correspondence course. For $35, I got th- a cor- correspondence course and a little thing called a ventrilo aid. You know, it was a little plastic thing. I know you put it in your mouth, and then you uh, say exercises with it. You know, they, they made it up. You know, I love it. Money. Yeah, ventrilo. So I got that, and then I got a little, and then she, I got a, a Jerry Mahoney character. She uh, gave me a, a Jerry Mahoney character with the course. Love now, it. That, now, that was before I, Lester. I love it. Now, now I heard was the Jerry Mahoney doll you got, then was later painted black. No, no, no. She painted him. She, she painted. She, she painted him no, for no, you. No, no, because, because she she made all she she had a mail order uh, situation where she sold figures to people all over the world. So she made the figures. She made figures up. She painted them and all that kind of stuff. But she wouldn't put the mechanics in. She sent it to someplace, somebody in Ohio. They would put the mechanics in, and they would send them back to her. But she, right there, when I went into her house there, out in the, out in the little room that she had there, had, you know, it was outside. It was like a patio. Yeah. That's where she painted all the characters and stuff like that. It was very interesting. The Fred and Madeline Mayer School of Ventriloquism. And was was Fred, they, Fred, they were, Fred Mayer, Fred and, Mayer School and of Ventriloquism. And you had a black Jerry Mahoney. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, she painted brown, brown for me. And how yeah. old were you when you first started taking the course? I, was, uh, I think I was about 12 years old when I first started taking the... Uh, wow. The, uh, it was like we would get uh, correspondence in the mail, and it would be like basically every two weeks you get a, a, a couple of pages and stuff like that. And she would put little jokes in there too, you know. Now, and, what and did your parents thing. think? Well, you know, when I first started doing this, everybody would look at me out of the corner of their eyes. You know? it's like, uh, it was like, a, it was, they, nobody thought, they thought something was, was, was not right there. <laughs> there was no show business in your family, Willie? Uh, no. Nothing? No, no. My, so, dad worked, my dad worked at Ford Motor Company, and my mom, my mom never worked. She just stayed home, because there was 10 of us. Mm-hmm. There was just 10 of us. Wow. But my mom, she just stayed home, took care of the kids. I was, I was growing up, my dad, he was a mechanic, and he worked at Ford, Ford Foundry and all that stuff. And, and, and you know, that, but what happened was, like, in Detroit, you've, you've, you're familiar with uh, Showtime at the Apollo, right? Sure, oh, yeah, sure. sure. Now, in Detroit, they used, to have, they used to have theaters around the city. And what happened was, like, they would have shows in those theaters. And um, it was a situation where they would have the, uh, a class B, class B movie, they'd show a Class B movie, then they'd have the amateur show. 
And then after the amateur show, they would have a professional show. But I would be on part of, the, I would be on the amateur show. But man, if you remember seeing the uh, Showtime at the Apollo and you see the um, the audience go after the amateurs when they run on the stage, it's, it's bleak. It's really bleak, you know, because they, they heckle them and all that kind of stuff. That was the same kind of situation I went through. You know, uh, they understood if a guy played a harmonica and he came out on stage, they understood that. You know, uh, a vocal group came out. That was fine. Uh, exotic dancer. We used to call them shake dancers, but uh, exotic a shake dancer. dancer. When they came, yeah, yeah. When, when they would come out, they understood that. But then when the MC Homer Jones, I never will forget his name, Homer Jones, because he used to pick me up at home at the house and drive me there. He was the he was the MC. So um, anyway, he would introduce me, and I walk out with this little character. Now this now this is before I got the uh, mayor, uh, the, the, the Jerry Mahoney. Okay. I made up, I, I jerry-rigged a, a, a character out of my sister's doll. You know, I did one of those MacGyvers. <laughs> you took your you know. sister's doll. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And uh, I would walk out on stage with this particular thing. It was made up of with a rubber band, a straight pin, and a string. It was weird, you know. And as I walked out, as I walked on stage, you know, the audience, you know, they were, they were really uh, boisterous and loud and stuff. And he introduced me, and I walk on stage. You ever seen that, um, uh, what is that, uh, 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 E.F. Hutton commercial. Sure. E.F. Yeah. Remember, remember people, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Yes. No, 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 no. They got quiet. Yeah. yeah they got quiet. Right? <laughs> but was, as I walked out and I cleared the wings and walked on stage, the light hit me. It was like nothing. You know, so the, the people were like, they, were, they were in shock. Like, what? What is this? What is this kind of? <laughs> and then, then they got over the shock, and then they, they went through. That's when the heckling started. You know. But it was like when you're a 10 and 12-year-old kid, you know, you just kind of, you kind of go through that and this kind of, uh, you know, it kind of gets to you. But, uh, and at the end, at the end, what happened was like, the, it was the contest. So at the end, he, Homer would line up everybody, the MC, and what he would do is like put his hand over each, each contestant or each group, and people would applaud or boo or whatever, you know, you know, number one, number two, number three. Anyway, when it got to me, it was like a lot of boo, you know. And, and I would go home every night and I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, I didn't want to do this anymore. Of course. So what happened was like, but then two weeks later, I did it again. <laughs> I did it again, you know. <laughs> and, but I kept, I kept doing it and then I start winning. I start winning Good the contest. How, how old are you now when you're doing this? 10, 11? No, it's uh, t- uh, 10, 11, 12. Another 13. guy like you, Gilbert, who got oh, on stage oh as a kid. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. First yeah. time yeah. I got up on stage, I was 15. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. That's, Both that's, of you crazy. That's now, now, that's good, though. Didn't you also say you remember, like, Smokey Robinson getting heckled? Uh, let's see. Oh, at the uh, Apollo. The you said that was a tough room. Oh, yeah, no, no, the Apollo. Well, you, you know, well, you're from New York. You ever been to the Apollo? Sure, oh, yeah, sure, Apollo, sure. Right? yeah, yeah. No, we used to work there a lot at the Apollo, and the first time that I went there was like with uh, when I was with Mo- I got with Motown, so we went there with the Motortown Review, you know, and it was like a, you know a little Stevie Wonder back in those days. Oh little yeah, Stevie Wonder. oh wow, and uh, Marvin Gaye and uh, Mary Wells, all, all those folks, you know, on one show. But when you go to the Apollo, when you go to the Apollo, even entertainers who are very professional and they've been around for a long time. When they would go to the Apollo, they would sweat because they never knew if the audience would accept them or not. You could, they could have a, a million seller record, they come out there and the audience would heck, heckle them if they didn't like what they were singing. Then that, that, you know, that, that, kind, that kind of a situation. But it was like, uh, it, was a fun, it was a fun place to be though, you know, to go there because it's like baptism by fire. 
kind yeah, of situation. I saw yeah. some of the marquees. What you were and you were. This is the Motortown Review, and you were the mm-hmm. MC. So right, it's uh-huh. it's like you, Junior Walker, and the All Stars, the Marvelettes, uh-huh. Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, Marvin uh-huh. Gaye, uh-huh. Uh, Stevie Wonder, uh-huh. for sixty five bucks. For sixty five bucks, Can you, yeah, to to see the whole show. Six, that was six, that was the price you, on the sixty. No, you, you, did you say sixty five? Yeah, oh, six six to five. S- sixty five bucks. Do I have this wrong? Sixty five bucks. No, that's 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 a lot of money. <laughs> 60, <laughs> How much was bucks. it? Huh? No, uh, no, it's two dollars. Two dollars or three dollars. Two dollars per person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm was, stunned. Uh, no. No, no, is that, that was well. That was back in the uh, '60s, you know, '60s, latter '60s, and the uh, beginning of the '70s. Incredible, incredible. incredible. Yeah, you, I have to double can, check you, what you, I was looking you can at. Buy, you could buy, you could buy a new car back in those days for six thousand dollars. You know, you know, you know, inflation. And, you know, and you like back then when you were working these places. Well, the the Jews, of course, had the uh, Borscht Belt. Yeah, <laughs> uh huh. Cat, Catskills. The yeah, one, yeah, yeah, Catskills. And and uh, tell us about the black entertainers. I mean, what what venues they work? Yeah. Oh, you what, mean what, the Chitlin the Circuit? Chitlin Circuit. Well, it was basically it was the Chitlin Circuit was basically they had some summer some summer resorts, some summer resorts that uh, somebody um, performance would work, or just uh, in the neighborhood they would have clubs, you know, just predominantly black clubs, and that those are the. Um, the, the venues that they would they would work if you had if you had a record out, uh, they would uh, go there and plug their records and and uh, and you know be successful you know performing in those particular venues. You you worked with the Funk Brothers and Lloyd Price and people like that. No, the Funk Brothers. Well, the Funk Brothers were Motown. You know they they they, they did the um, mm-hmm. uh, what they, they did the sessions mm-hmm. in Motown, but then they did the documentary. So when they did the documentary, they had the Funk Brothers, and they traveled uh, around the uh, country with um, with other acts uh, performing Motown songs. And, but and the Funk Brothers, but the Funk Brothers, the drummer drummer was Benny Benjamin, the real Funk Brother, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, James Jamerson was a bass player. Those two guys, I remember working with them in a little place up in Idaho, Michigan. It was a black, it was a black uh, 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 summer resort. Mm-hmm. Some resort, but it was back. And uh, Lloyd Lloyd Price would work up there. A lot of acts would come up there and work for the summer. Mr. Personality. That, oh, yeah, yeah. You got personality. <laughs> personality. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you worked at a lot of strip clubs. Well, I didn't, I didn't work a lot of... I, I remember one that stands out a lot is the one in Detroit. It was called the Brass Rail. And the Brass Rail was like... Uh, and I remember uh, a, a particular dancer, she would work that club a lot. It was like her club. I, she didn't own it, but she was, everybody would come there to see her. And her name was Lottie the Body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was um, Lottie she was the great, Body. She used to have, she had those little she had those those, those, those little fringes fringes on the back on the back of her oh, butt yeah. right there. And um, when when she's doing the show, she'd turn to the audience, and the drummer every time you know the drummer every time she moved it. The, the fringes would jump, so the drummer would hit, you know, hit the uh, the top hat each time she would do that. You know, she would do one time the left cheek, the left cheek, the left cheek, right cheek, right cheek, right cheek, then both cheeks, both cheeks. You know, she was, she was great at that. She was great at that. <laughs> whatever, whatever happened to Lottie the body? 
No, I guess she she ret- I guess she ret- she retired. I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, <laughs> you know, yeah. She and got how, her 401k. And what were the reasons for hiring the comics? You you once explained that. Yeah, the reason why is because back in those days they had like a live music a trio. Now in Detroit they had a union, so the trio they would work uh, x amount of time a night on stage with, for the dancers. Then they had to take a break because the union they had to take a break three times a night, thirty minute breaks, three times a night. So the comic would go up and fill in the time while they took their break. You know, and it was like it's an interesting thing to go there and uh, work a, a strip joint. Where the guys come in, some some women would be in there, but mostly guys would be in there, and um, they wanted to see the women. And all of a sudden, you got a comic on stage, you know, trying to tell jokes. That's rough. Trying to be funny, yeah. And and they would you you'd be on stage, and all of a sudden you hear something fall at your foot, and they would they would throw throw a penny. Yeah, you ever been on stage? You ever been on stage when somebody threw a penny or threw a, a quarter on stage? <laughs> yeah, it's a very that's insulting. It's very insulting. That's not happening, to you, Gilbert. Did you ever work with strippers? You never worked with you never worked with a with a stripper never or an exotic a real, dancer. One time I did something for the Hustler Club. Okay, but I never actually worked a strip club. Uh huh. Now what's interesting? Oh, another thing too, because it was a strip club, we didn't we didn't have a dressing room. We would come dressed, but but the idea we would we would we would be in the room with the with the strippers. They had a TV in there, you know, it was a TV in there, and then they, if they wanted to strip, I mean, if they wanted to change, they'd go in the, they'd go in the back and change. Some would go in the back. Some women would go in the back if a guy if the guy was sitting in there, if the comic was sitting in there. But some women, there's a couple of women, they when they came in, you know, they didn't they didn't care, you know, you were sitting there. And uh, they never, you would leave, and if they said leave, you would leave. But if they didn't say leave, you sit there and they would, they would change <laughs> because you, they didn't tell you to leave. So you just sat there and, and you watched it. Yeah, you're not going to leave on your own. I, no, no, I, you wouldn't leave on your own. I remember when I did this thing at uh, that Hustler nightclub, <laughs> I, I wound up sitting there uh-huh. in, uh, Oh, I think we were filming something uh, earlier in the day. And I wound up sitting there in the dressing room. Then the strippers started coming in and uh-huh. changing in front of me and walking around naked. And I, of mm-hmm. course, you know, I'd still be there. Yeah, because she, she, <laughs> she didn't say anything. Yeah. If at one point someone said, you know, uh, there, there's a guy sitting there. <laughs> For the past hour, <laughs> with a drool cup. Yeah, yeah. So, so oh, yeah. I was asked if I could leave the dressing room. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If, 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 you have to be asked. You know. You yeah. Know, you know. <laughs> if nobody says anything, but some some strippers would be in there, and then um, when they came in, they would look and look at me and go, "Willie, do you mind?" You know. Then I'd get up and go out. You know. Well, was, wasn't dressed. it a stripper or a dancer, Willie, who 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 touched Lester and 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 broke something on him, and that was the last time you let anybody touch him? Yeah, it was like um, one of the uh, uh, being in the dressing room. You know, it's like uh, one uh, one stripper was there, and uh, she was a very attractive little tri- stripper. You know, and she would uh, she would ask, she said, well, "How does he? How does he? How does he work?" You know. So you know, you're like kind of melting like butter. You know, it's when the way she talked to you. Uh-huh. Oh boy, oh boy. So I, I showed her how how he worked. You know, you know, and I didn't really show. I, I took her hand and you know, and put, sort of showed her how how he worked. 
And uh, so she put her hand on, on Lester's c- controls. And what happened was like, uh, and then she, she took her hand out. And so it's time for me to go on later. So I go on stage, and I'm on stage, and I'm talking, then Lester's talking, then I look at Lester, and Lester looks at me. And when he looks at me, one eye goes this way, and one <laughs> oh. eye goes that way. You know, you know. So what happened was like uh, she, instead of like pulling down on the control, she pushed out on the control, and it broke. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't realize that until I got on stage. So I said after that, never again. No. Never let a stripper Nobody. handle your part, <laughs> Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. (laughs) <laughs> now, you once met, you went out of your way to meet uh, the the legendary ventriloquist Edgar Bergen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Edgar Bergen, let's see. Yeah, I lived in Detroit, and there's a place across the river in Windsor, Ontario, called the Elmwood Casino. And that was back in the days of, you know, big, big nightclubs and stuff like that. So he was in town, uh, and I... I I was doing, back in those days, I was doing like the Mike Douglas show and Merle Griffin shows and stuff. So basically, he, I, he knew who I was. I mean, I didn't know until I got over there. But uh, I went across through customs and stuff. Like I had Lester in the trunk, you know. And uh, I, I was kind of lucky because it was, it was a situation where the customs didn't, they didn't open the trunk or anything like that to see what was in the trunk. They might have thought I was work, working or something to that effect. But anyway, Lester, I was able to get through, Lester through there. I went, it was a Wednesday night, and back in those days, the, the club wasn't really full that night. It, wasn't, it was the middle of the week, and back in those days, the middle of the week, the weekends were packed, but the middle of the week was kind of weak. And um, what happened was like, I, I watched this show, and he did a very, a very amazing, uh, the show was very good, very good show, you know, because he had a, a thing in his act where it was supposed to be raining, and he took a pail and he put it on the floor, and you could hear the water dripping in the pail. Uh-huh. Kind of situation. <laughs> so it was. But after the show, I went to the major D. I says, uh, "Mr. Bergen, is he around? Uh, you know?" And uh, he says, "Well, he's he's right in that room right there." The guy says, "Major D says he's right in that room right there." So I went, you know, and knocked on the door. It was, they were in a little small room. I think he and his wife. And uh, he said, "Come in." Uh, he he. I opened the door, and he was in there. They were eating dinner. You know, and I felt kind of bad. You know, I didn't want to you know, disturb people eating, you know, eating dinner. Sure. And he's and he looked at me and he, he recognized me from from the you know TV shows. He said, "Oh, hey, how you doing? How you doing?" He says, "Come on in, come on in." So I went in and he started. I started talking to him, and then as we talked, he says, "Do you have your do you have your character?" 
meaning Lester. I said, oh, yeah, he's in the car. He said, bring him in, bring him in, bring him in. So I went and got Lester and brought him in. And uh, he wanted me to do a little couple of, couple of things for him. And uh, as I did it, back in those days, what I would do, uh, when Lester talked, uh, he, he, was, he was animated. Lester was animated. But then when he, when he wasn't talking and I was talking, he was like staring out. He was just staring. Just stationary. You know, he was, yeah, he wasn't even moving. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 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 Edgar Bergen says, you know what you're doing wrong? He says, you've got to keep him animated all the time. Even though he, he's not talking, you, to, to make things work, you've got to keep him animated. So basically, I learned that from him. You know, when you see Lester, Lester's, even if he's not talking, he's looking at stuff or looking around or looking down and stuff. I love when he does that little thing where he kind of tilts his head toward you, like, get a load of this guy. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we we got that from Paul. He plays to the audience. Yeah, we got that from Paul Winchell. Paul Winchell used to do that with Jerry Morning. He's like, get out of here. You know, one of those deals he used to do that with. with Tell tell us about Paul Winchell. He was a fascinating. I think Paul Winchell inspired Willie to to do this. It did did because we had gotten our television set, which was a black and white TV. Back in those days, black and white TVs. And he had a show from New York, coming from New York, and was sponsored. I remember it was sponsored by Spidell Watch Bands. I remember that was a sponsor. Wow. Winchell Mahoney time. Yep. You know. Okay. Yeah, Scotty Waddy Doo-Doo. Yeah. All right. All right. No, no, no. It's Scotty... Winchell Mahoney time. It's Winchell Mahoney that, time. Let's have some fun. Hooray. Hurrah. We're glad everybody's here. Come on. Let us give a cheer for everyone. Put on your happy faces. <laughs> that, and the kids the kids sang that song. Yeah. Scotty yeah, Waddy no, Doo Doo. Yeah. Scotty yeah. Waddy Waddy Doo Doo. Scotty Waddy Doo Doo Doo. We are dating ourselves. <laughs> I watch that show all the time. Yeah, it was like uh, I was fascinated on how you made his little character, uh, Jerry Mahoney and Knucklehead Smith. Knucklehead Smith. Yeah, Knucklehead Smith spelled his name S-M-I-F-F. Yes. Yes, that's a, just and a then trivia. Paul Winchell did that thing, too, where he'd paint a face on his chin. Yeah, it was interesting, yeah. It was, it, it was, it was, a, it was a, the camera, the, the camera had to be upside down. Yeah. Because what happened was like he would, uh, he would paint the eye, and I hear... And I hear, and then uh, he would... Uh, and a little he put, nose. He, he put a, a goatee here, and then he would put the body on upside down on his head. But when the camera turned upside down, he looked, it looked like a funny look, a weird-looking character. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it was just... Because you could tell when, it, when Jerry Mahoney was in the scene also, you could tell because when he, he was, the character was doing all of these years, you know, had his mouth like this. When he was talking for Jerry Mahoney, but but while, oh, Jerry Mahoney was off camera, but that was a very uh, very news. He was a very uh, very ingenious guy, you know. He he had something to do with the heart. He did the artificial yeah. heart, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I heard uh, they wanted him to take out a patent on it, and he wasn't yeah. concerned with getting credit. He just yeah, wanted right. to invent it. Yeah, he wanted to invent it because there was something. He, I guess he knew of, of a heart surgeon or something to that effect, and he wanted to really help him out. You know, to, to, I, to I think, who was that particular. famous heart surgeon? Uh, 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 Michael DeBakey or uh, yeah, Christian, no, he, he, Christian he, he, Barnard? Christian Michael Barnard. De, okay, Michael DeBakey, I think, was South Africa. Yeah, I think one of them was. Barnard. One of them was. That Paul Winchell just wanted to help. 
Yeah, yeah, he just wanted to help because uh, either that or he had somebody in his family had heart problems or something. That it was something uh, personal about it that he wanted to. He was a brilliant guy. He became, of course, a famous voiceover guy. Dick Dick Dastardly and Muttley and everything. All these characters for Hanna Barbera for years. Yeah, rubbing bubbles, got those bubble things. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, rubbing my bubbles. God, yes. A million things yeah. that are not yeah. even coming to mind yeah. now. Yeah, we'll he of was, uh, what was the name of that villain? Um, did, he, he have a, did he have a goatee? Did he have a mustache? He may the, have. The villain, the villain. Who? The you, villain. Mean, you mean Snidely Whiplash? There was Snidely <laughs> Whiplash, and who was another famous It was villain? Dick Dastardly, who Dick I just Dastard- mentioned. Oh, yeah. okay. You know, from the Wacky Racers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he was in everything. Yeah, he did a yeah, yeah, yeah. Did a real yeah. talent. I heard that Winchell, he was brilliant, mm-hmm. but he he had a a terrible upbringing. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I I, don't, I think uh, what happened. He had some problems with his siblings. With his, I mean, with his ki- uh, kids. I mean, you know, he had some. They, de- they, he suffered from depression. I know. Well, who, who doesn't? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. And his I mean, mother was supposed to be like she was a little psychotic, and that wore on him. Well, that that, that could be, but you know, when you look at the celebrities nowadays, and you, if you look at the backstory, you know, it's not it's not rosy. Especially yeah. funny people seem yeah, to yeah, seem to come people, yeah, from the right, most damage. No, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, but he and was. You know, a, oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, and you know, entertainers. In it, when they're doing live performances, the ones that do live performances and, and singers, you know, you notice that they never retire. They never retire unless they have to retire, because there's something you probably you know about this. Yeah, you know something about walking out and somebody introduces you. You walk out on stage, the light hits you, and you hear the applause, and then you start up, and then you get reaction from the audience. That makes you feel good. That's like a high. You know, you, you feel good about that. Then when you come off. You feel good, and it's like if even some nights if the show didn't go the way you really wanted to wanted it to go, like some days when I was growing up, it didn't really go the way I wanted. When you come off about five or six hours later, you feel good because you did go out. You did go out, and you went through that 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 ritual. You feel that That's way, great. Gilbert? Does, uh, does, does does it energize you? Yeah, yeah. There is that thing because, like I always say, this right before I go on, I'm praying. That mm-hmm. they that the manager will come back and say we had a fire or a flood, <laughs> and you can't go on. Here's your check. Go home. <laughs> but then after I do it, I go okay. I did that. Yeah, yeah. and you're fired yeah. up. I mean, do you have that high where it's hard uh, to come yeah. down? Oh well, uh, that is yeah. It's see, the, sometimes. It's see, sometimes fun- some. Go ahead. No, I, it's that funny thing. Like I when I get off stage. I, my adrenaline's going, mm-hmm. and I have that understanding, too, of like, you know, then I'm by myself in the hotel, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm still got my adrenaline, and I understand why these performers want to do drugs afterwards. To yeah, keep yeah, the high some, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some, some do. Yeah, but it's the it's something about uh, being in front of in front of people. You know, it's like uh, it's 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 freaky. Gladys Knight and the Pips, uh, the Temptations. You know, they were doing shows and they had hit records and stuff like that. But before they would go on stage, they would all hold hands and they would say a prayer. Wow! Because you you because you never know. You never know what's going to happen when you get out there. You know, it can it, oh. it can be t- it can be turned around on you. 
Yeah, it's second. like the first show can be terrific, and then the right. second show, horrible. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. And, yeah. and oh, I just want to get back to Winchell for a second, but mm-hmm. he was a nice guy to work with. Well, yeah. The matter of fact, you know, uh, uh, when I got out here to California, because uh, the reason I came out here was due to uh, laughing. The, mm-hmm. last, the last season, last season, right. laughing. But anyway, I had moved out here, and then somehow or another we hooked up. He was doing, uh, he did a thing where he was he was going to do a thing where Paul, uh, they're going to say, where are they now? Like Jerry Mahoney and the Knucklehead Smith, what are what are they doing now? And Knucklehead Smith was uh, was an executive for CBS. Funny joke. And Paul and Jerry Mahoney was he was something else. He was something something else. But what happened was like um, it was done on Sunset, some club in, on, on Sunset. But he had me as a guest, you know, and I, I had a guest spot on there where we sat at the table and they filmed this. You know, they, cool. they taped this. And we sat at the table and uh, uh, Lester would talk a little bit, blah, 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 that kind of situation. So it was like made me feel good to know that this man, my mentor, you know, uh, took time out to put me in one of his uh, his. Uh, his uh, um, Movies. Quite a journey that you're a kid watching him on TV, and now you're working with him all mm-hmm. these all these years later. Yeah, and he was nice. He was a nice man. Uh, some people would say, because you probably run into this too, where we, some people will say things. You might know somebody, and somebody else will come up and say, oh, "I hate that. That guy is not. I don't like that guy. Or that guy doesn't like me." You know. But it's basically you get along with him. But it's the idea you wonder what what what, what happened where this particular person doesn't like this particular person. But, you know, that happens. And with me, another thing, too, uh, I work with a lot of, um, you know, uh, super, like uh, Ann Margaret and... Uh, oh, yeah. And just, like just, uh, J- J- John Davison, you know, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., all those folks, you know, I work with them. And we, I, wouldn't, I would always give them the space. You know, some, some people, when they do an, they're an opening act, they kind of get, they kind of bogart in on, on, the, on the headliner. I, don't, I, I, stayed, I, stay, I would stay away. Because I didn't want them, I didn't want them to be mad at me. Well, I didn't want to know their other. If they had an other side, I didn't want to. I didn't want to know the other side of them. Because one time we were working in Las Vegas, and I was working with Sammy Davis Jr. And back in those days, they didn't have TVs, the monitors where you can see the stage, see the acts on the stage. They had the just the uh, audio. You could hear the audio. You could hear that show in the dressing room from what was going on on stage. Mm-hmm. So I would go back when he was on stage. When i come off, he'd go on stage. And then when I'd come off, I'd go and sit with his people in his dressing room. And then he, then I knew it was the end of the show because he would do that Mr. Bojangles. You know, Mr. Bojangles. Sure, was his yeah. closer. So I knew he was coming back to the dressing room. So I would get, I, I, one night I was late because I was talking to somebody. I was late getting out before he got in there. So as he, I was getting ready to get up to go out, he was coming in. And as he was coming in, He's all sweaty from, you know, being on stage and stuff. And as he walked in, he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where, where, you go, where, do, where do you go? Where do you go? I said, well, Mr. Davis, I just, you know, I want to give you your space. He said, stick around, hang around, hang around. So, you ah. know, from then, from then on, oh, nice. you know, I would, I would, I'd hang around. But, uh, you know, again, you've got, you, you've probably known some performers. They just want their space. You know, they don't how, want to talk. How to did you like playing Vegas, Willie, when you were opening for, for Ann Margaret and... Vegas was nice, yeah. yeah. Vegas, Vegas was, Vegas was a lot of entertainers say this, but Vegas was pretty. It was cool back in those days. I mean, it's good now, but back in those days, it wasn't as big as it is now. 
Like back in those days, you could get into the river. You can get a come out of the Riviera Hotel, get in a taxi, drive down the strip to the uh, to the C- to Caesars mm-hmm. in three in two minutes, three minutes, three minutes. You could do that, you know. But now it's like it's just it's a different different world. Now, were there still the mobsters there when you were working? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was basically. Uh, well, if, it's not. It's not like a. It's not a secret or anything like. No, that. No, yeah, we, no, we no. we ask all the performers we've had on the show who worked Vegas in those days what their relationship was was with the mob, and if they, they got no, on. No. All yeah. every performer has said to us, and others I've read about, they loved working for the mob. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. treatment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, because what happened was like uh, in the dressing room, like I worked. Uh, well, some of the casinos that you work, when you got there, your name was on the door. And the name was like, it was carved out of a, a particular kind of a, a plastic. And it, it, people had to go out of the way to, to carve your name. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a thing that was thrown together. And it was on the door. And what happened, one thing about Vegas, you know, when I used to get there, I got there the day of the show. I would always get there the day of the, of the show, you know, to do sound check and all that. Because your name, along with the, the headliner, would be on the marquee, you know. Yeah. So when you when you come from the airport and you're driving or you're driving into town, you look up and your name is on the marquee. But what I would do, I always wanted to try to get out of town before the the last night of the show because I didn't want to I didn't want them see him I didn't want to see him taking my name <laughs> off the marquee. That's great! Wow, <laughs> that's great. And but did you have dealings with the mobsters? No, no, but no, I don't know. It's uh, no, I don't think so. Every a lot of nightclubs, a lot of nightclubs uh, all over the place. Well, you work well, you at know, Copa the, with the infamous the, the, Jules the, Podell. <laughs> yeah, Jules, Jules Podell. Yeah, I mean the, the nightclubs are all over in Detroit. There were a lot of, a lot of nightclubs because they were the ones that could be able to get the liquor license and stuff like that. You know, but it was like um, it was it, it was cool. I mean, it was just uh, it was just a fun fun place to work. I mean, you never saw. A, and you never saw anything going down or anything to that particular that particular kind of situation. But I remember one night I was working this particular club, and uh, it was a Monday night, and they had a band there, and uh, it was a it was a it was a it was a little club in Detroit. And this woman was walking to the restroom, and uh, evidently she had words with another woman sitting at a table, you know. So when she went to the restroom, she came back out, and then they got into a fight, and then the, the men got into the fight. And then they got one guy wouldn't stop, so they had to take the guy and put him out, take him, take him outside. They took him outside and stuff like that. But they took him outside and locked the door. The guy broke the door down and came back in. <laughs> you know, and then, Unbelievable. Then they had to take him back out again. Then they finally called the Detroit police. The police came, you know, stuff like that. But and then I remember Joe. Joe was like the bartender, and Joe was, you know, he was trying to show like uh, that uh, he had things under control. And he, he, he um, of course, they had a gun under the bar. And he, the gun went off by accident. It shot in, it shot in the floor. It oh, shot boy. in the floor. But everybody, was, everybody went under the tables and everything like that. There was like a lot of excitement going on then, back in the, the, that <laughs> particular night. Weren't you in a club performing and, and, and you heard gunshots going off in a balcony? No, no, that was, um, we were working, there's a, a, a Motortown Review. Oh, and it was in the a theater. We, it was it, it was in a coliseum. It's called the Carter Baron. Yeah, the Carter uh, Baron. Was that in Philly? No, no. It was oh, in D.C. D.C. Yeah, it was old. It, it was a big, gigantic arena, and it was old, and the sound was bad. The sound was it was just, it was just a bad place to try to put on a show. You know, 
It was like, um, but it, it, for some reason or other, when we got there on the bus, we all got off the bus, came inside, we did sound check and everything like that. And doing the sound check, it was just the sound was just bad, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying to myself, this this doesn't something about this. It doesn't doesn't seem right. This is this place has got some bad vibe. It's bad, you know. So anyway, that night the show started, and then um, the Martha Reeves and the Vandella, and I still had that feeling, you know. <laughs> And then um, uh, the Martha what a bad Reeve, feeling. The, the, yeah, the the the, Martha, the band was up there, and uh, Martha Reeves and Vandellas they went up and they start doing their thing. Excuse me. And, and, and as, as they were doing their thing, you heard shots coming from way up, way up high. Shots. Now Choker Choker Campbell, he was the he was the band leader mm-hmm. back in those days. Now uh, I'm backstage because I'm uh, well. It's not one of those. It's one of those days that they put up with platforms. You know platform where you can stand under the stage you can look up you can look up at the entertainers but you're standing under the stage almost but then i'm watching the band and i'm watching martha reeves and the vandellas the shots go off and without without uh, any hesitation choker camel just stopped the band he stopped the band he grabbed his uh, his um, music uh, charts and stuff like that Without even looking, he just walked off the stage, and of course the band followed, and Martha Reeves and Vandellas followed, and that was the end of the show. That was that because yeah, we can't you can't start you can't do a show with people shooting. What did what did <laughs> what did BB King call those clubs? Bucket of blood. Bucket of blood. Wow. But, but, yeah. Well, those are those are like the those are like the little small clubs. The yeah. Small clubs. Now, but, I we we jump around a lot here, mm-hmm. but going back to the strip clubs, mm-hmm. uh you said they were really strict, even though it was a strip club, really strict about doing dirty material. Language, yeah. Yeah, language. It was a yeah, very, very strict uh, club. Uh, club. I mean, it was, back then, it was, it was that way. Even the strippers, the strippers couldn't, um, like uh, nowadays, I guess, what strippers, they, they use the pole and stuff like that. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. know, Willie. You know, you know, the pole, you know, you know the, climbing up oh, on the yeah. pole. Yeah. But, yeah. Sure. Trust me. But, but, we know. But, but it's like, uh, but they didn't have a pole back then. But back then, the, the strippers had to wear pasties. You know, pa- pasties. Sure, uh, sure. You know, pasties. You yeah. Know. They're little ba- band-aids that they put on. Right. On, on the, so, but, uh, and, and they couldn't be nude. I mean, and nowadays... Strip joints, I think strip joints they have, I think, I haven't been to a strip joint, you know, lately, lately but anyway. But it's, 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 they don't wear as many clothes as they did then. I remember one little club in Detroit, this little lady, she was French. And uh, she would go on stage, and the stage, stages used to be behind the bar. You know, where's the bar, the people could sit at the bar and look at the stage, you know, and people would, and they had tables behind, you know, all, all in the rest of the club. But what happened? This little lady, a little French lady, at the end of her show, her her um, I don't know her signature thing was when she finished, she would turn to the audience because she had this um, bikini on, and she would flip flip the uh, bikini down, just flip it down and flip it back up. You know, that was a, that was a, the closer kind of situation. But uh, one night. The, the vice squad was in the kitchen. They were in the kitchen. <laughs> no. You can always tell the vice squad guys <laughs> because they would wear suits. Uh-huh. The guys, they would come in with suits. They would come in with suits on. I mean, and uh, and they were back there talking to the manager. And they were, they were standing. They were standing in such a way where they could see the stage. You know, they could see the stage. And then she uh, she finished and she flipped the bottom, 
And then they went nuts. When she came off, and they were had her in the, in the back. They were talking to us, saying, you you shouldn't you are not supposed to be doing that, not be doing that kind of stuff. You're not supposed to be doing that kind of stuff. So that was back that was back in the days when they when they did stuff like that. Incredible. I, I, I remember like there were a few strip clubs where they had a law, and the law was was stated that the nipples have to be covered. Mm-hmm. So the strippers would take a little piece of saran wrap. And cover it. So you could see the nipples, but legally... What were yours covered with? (laughs) (laughs) But it was was a thing of legally, they said, has to be covered. So they were covered. You probably used gaffer tape. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Were those mob-owned strip clubs, uh, Willie? Because... A lot of cl- well, a lot of clubs were. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. it's like what Tony. We had Tony Sandler here from Sandler and Young, and he mm-hmm. was telling us. Uh, it, we found it interesting too that the mob wouldn't allow profanity. They had an issue. Yeah. They had an issue with profanity. Oh, yeah. They yeah, could yeah. kill people, <laughs> but yeah, keep they, it clean. Yeah, 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 yeah. You couldn't. Uh, matter of fact, the brass rail was. Uh, oh boy, there was a guy who. There was a guy who owned the brass rail. His father passed away, and he he took over the club, and I cannot think of his name, but. He he wound up going to jail for insider trading. I can't think of his wow. name. He was like, a, uh, he was big. He was it was all over the all over all over the, the uh, states where this particular guy Norman 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 no Bosky. Bo- oh, Ivan, Ivan Bosky. Ivan Bosky. That's a big name. Ivan Bosky. He owned the uh, brass rail. Wow. Yeah. There you go. And now while Gilbert heads into the nutmeg kitchen to steal more Perrier. <laughs> A word from our sponsor. <laughs> I just want to be like Gilbert, Gilbert and Frank. Ooh. I just want to be like Gilbert, Gilbert and Frank. And now we return to the show. Speaking of policing clubs, wasn't there a story about Sammy, uh, uh, somebody giving Sammy a hard time at Jules Podell's club at the Copa? Uh, the Copa didn't have a stage. They had a little platform for the band, but the uh, the performer sat right, uh, stood right on the, the level of the, um, the the floor. And as you go back, they had little uh, little tiers there for the for the tables. But uh, the, the performers, anyway, they had a, a noisy table there one night. And they were noisy, so what happened was like one of the, the guys in, in in the tuxedos would go over and says, "Would you can you hold it down, please, Mr. Davis? He's you know he's performing, you know." Then they go back, and the people kept talking and talking and talking. They go back again, and they would say the same same thing. And they did it so many times, and they had he had one, so they had the bus boys come over and pick their table up because they were, they were in a round table, big round table. They had them pick the table up, and they took the table out. <laughs> While they were sitting there, just so, remove their so, table. So that means you know when you're sitting there without a table, that means you 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 got you got you're gonna you're gonna leave. Yeah, you're gonna leave because you know why well, sit there, you know no drinks, and, and facing each other. And Jules, po, Jules Podell used to tap that that ring right on the table. He had a very big ring. That I big heavy that. ring. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He had the big big ring. Well, what he would do, he would sit by. Um, when he was there, he'd always sit by the cash register because it's the lady that did the cash register thing. But he, there's a little seat there. He would always sit right by her, 
And as the, as the waiters and as the food came in and out, they had some nice food. The food was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It, it was a phenomenal food. You know, it was, and it was a good venue to work. The Copa. And you said that at one point you took up smoking because it seemed like the thing to do. Everyone around you was smoking. But what happened was I was in the Air Force. When I was in the Air Force, I started smoking. I went in the Air Force when I was uh, 18. But what happened was like I, I started smoking in, in the service because everybody else was smoking. You know? But I didn't really inhale, you know. But what happened was like a scary time in New York. I was working the Copa, and I was smoke. I, each night I'd go to that smoke. I remember smoking a cigarette, smoking cigarettes, and I would uh, I would eat the, the, the they had uh, the food. You I got a Chinese dinner, the Chinese food, uh, uh, shrimp fried rice, phenomenal, great, you know. <laughs> and I I would drink rum and coke, rum and coke. I would drink, and then I stayed. I think I stayed at a place called the President Hotel, Forty Eighth Street. And Eighth Avenue. That's probably probably not there anymore. No, no, it's probably it was, it was across the street from Mama Leon's. Uh-huh. Mama Leon's was right across the street. We're from not there. far from there right now. And what happened was like uh, one day I was walking down the street, and as I was walking down the street, I got dizzy. You know, I got really, I got dizzy, and I said, "Oh no, not in New York! I can't fall, can't can't pass out on the street in New York! No, no." <laughs> and, uh, Somebody roll you? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so, and so that night I went and uh, I didn't I didn't drink the rum and coke I didn't eat the Chinese food and I didn't smoke cigarettes and then that particular first show that, that first night that I did the shows I instead of uh, back in those days I used to stand up and put my foot up on a chair and Lester would stand on my sit on my knee and uh, but I was I didn't want to feel dizzy on stage so I sat I sat down and I brought the mic down and I did the show for the next couple of days that way. Till that dizziness thing went away, but it was like it was just, it was kind of freaky, and it never came back. But it was just weird that something like that. But but I but I did stop drinking rum and coke, and I stopped smoking. So but I went back to the Chinese food. But it was good. <laughs> it was good. Didn't didn't you say Lester had the uh, Lester had the big hair then? He had the afro, and you said it would, he would come home smelling of smoke. Yeah, it's like but you couldn't get the smoke days, out of the doll. No, because back in those days, you know, in, in nightclubs, people smoked. Yeah, if people, you know, if people would, people would, and if people who didn't smoke would had to had to sit in in you know, with in all that smoke, and I would work some clubs. Some clubs didn't have a, a, a what you call a, a ventilation. They have only time they would um, vent the place was like when the show was over. The, over they would open the doors, and 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 the uh, the big doors or the or the uh, fire doors and let all the smoke out. But one every night I. Lester would be there, and then the next day I'd be home. Then I maybe was changing his, his shirt or something like that. I'd open the case, and as I opened the case, all this smoke smell would come out because the smoke was was in his hair. Yeah, yeah, you know, from from the from uh, the from the club, from the environment. By the way, yeah. Gil, a little trivia for you. Did you know Stu Gillum started as a ventriloquist? Oh wow! I found that yeah. in my research. Stu oh. Gillum was you know, Stu Gillum was a ventriloquist, and I found out. See, he was he became he was a very good actor. Yeah, yeah, late yeah. Stu Gillum. Yeah, what happened was like uh, the reason why he he was he, he went away from the ventriloquist thing because he had some dental work done, and somehow or another, see when it ain't well, he probably had to have it done. But sometimes you see, people say when it ain't broke, don't fix it. But when he had that dental work done, something happened where he couldn't. He couldn't do he couldn't do that anymore. Interesting, you know. 
So it's like, um, that's why I'm, I'm very careful with particular things. And people say to me, well, you know, you got to get this. Maybe you get this. We'll put the implants in here. We'll put yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Don't I mess say, with no, it. No, 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 <laughs> no. You know what's funny? That bring back, like, I remember when people smoked everywhere. And on planes, uh, which was crazy because it's an enclosed space. Yeah. But you'd yeah. have smoking and non-smoking sections. Smoking so you'd section. be sitting across from someone smoking. Ridic- ridiculous. Uh-huh. Yeah, but the idea was the smoking was in the back. So when you, if you were sitting in this no smoking zone up up front, not for, you're not in first class, but I mean up front, it was like the idea is like uh, you get up to go to the restroom, and as you went to the restroom, you walked through all this cloud of smoke back there, you know. It's amazing that people were had, well, they were had fire in their hands up in the air with all that fuel. Oh, you insane! Know, the, the, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. Gasoline, all that fuel. You know. Looking back, well, oh, amazing. Go ahead, go ahead, Gil. I, I remember a story that. Well, did you ever work with Sherry Lewis? Sherry, Sherry Lewis. We did a, a thing with Sherry. Was that Steve the, Allen thing? Yeah, vent event. Yeah. You, no, no. Was it? Yeah, the vent event. It was yeah. done out yeah. here. Out here with. Uh, Jay Johnson. The, Jay the Johnson from Soap. Uh, Remember him? Young. Oh, yeah. The ventriloquist act. Eggert Bergen was there. Jimmy Nelson, Danny O'Day. Danny O'Day. Danny O'Day and Farfel. And we did it at the Mayfair. N-E-S-D-L-E-S. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is the very best chocolate. Yeah. And it was done at the Mayfair Theater here. I mean, yeah, in, in Santa Monica, it's no longer there. But it's like, uh, that's what they did. And at that particular time, when we were filming the HBO special. What is it? What's it? The event Yeah, the event event, yeah. When, it was, when we were taping that, uh, they were filming in Burbank, they were filming the movie ba- Magic. Back oh, the days. Anthony Hopkins movie wow. about the ventriloquism. And, and, uh, and Margaret. And, right, and Margaret, that, sure. And, and Burgess, Burgess Meredith. Meredith. Very right, good. Right, 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 right. Very good, Gil. And, uh, yeah. And what it happened was, was written by Stephen King. No, no, no. I think uh, it was written by William no, Goldman. Oh, William, William, Goldman, William Goldman, yes. William Goldman, yeah. Yes. William Goldman. It was yeah. William Goldman. Yeah. And what happened was like uh, the night of the, the, the taping, when we had the audience there, when we were taping it, uh, go, uh, yeah, the producer of Magic, I, I mean, director of Magic. I R- think Richard he, Attenborough. I think Richard Attenborough, he came there. He was he was in the audience that night. I guess they wanted to come and see what ventriloquist did because they were doing a movie about a ventriloquist. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's mm-hmm. a good scary movie about and, ventriloquism. And like the ventriloquist dummy is made to look like Anthony Hopkins. Yes, so it makes yeah. it creepier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, like uh, when they did the Twilight Zone. You know, they did about two or three ventriloquist uh, yes. stories. One with Mickey Rooney. Oh, and the other with uh, uh, the guy from Spider Man, Cliff uh, Robertson. R- Cliff Robertson. Yeah. Cliff Ro- no, it wasn't Mickey Rooney though. It was. Uh... I think it was Mickey Rooney. No, no, wasn't it? Was, uh, Am no, I wrong? Was, uh, I. I'm uh, not there's sure. definitely one with Cliff Robertson. Mickey Rooney Cliff, was Cliff, in the one where he's a jockey and he wants to be big. Oh gosh. No, th- yeah. Now this is this is another guy. I can't think of. His All right, name. we'll figure it but, out. But what happened was like they had a. Uh, uh, if you watch those movies. It's like that particular, they use the same character in all the movies. You know, when Cliff Robinson was back. Oh, they, yes. They had, the, they had the same character. Right. They put, him, they put him in storage, I guess. You know, and then put him out of central cast, casting when, they came, when it came to ventriloquism, ventriloquism again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see yeah. the movie Dead of Night? There's a, oh, with Michael yes. Redgrave, there's yes. another ventriloquist story. Yeah, that's a black, it was a black and white black movie. Black and white. From yeah. uh, England? England? Yes. 
That's yeah, a good one. Was, yeah. I thought it was Mickey Rooney. I'm, I must be wrong. Yeah, I'm not, no, 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 I no, remember. No, I think it's a guy. The, uh, the guy. Um, um, I, okay, Superman one. Uh huh. Uh, the, the guy who ran the paper. Oh, the you guy. are right. It's Jackie Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You are right. Uh, uh, good, wow. Good man. Good man. Yeah. Why did I think yeah. it was Mickey Rooney? Was he talking in an Irish brogue? No. I remember there was no, one no. with a guy. But, there, were three, there were three three movies, but I don't, maybe, maybe not the ones we were talking about. But They always use ventriloquism in horror stories. Oh, yes. <laughs> it always, shows up, always showed up in those horror anthologies. Oh, There's always. always a ventriloquism story. Now. Mm-hmm. An evil dummy. Um, I what I remember about Sherry Lewis, she said her father was a magician, mm. and he would take her on the road with him. Mm-hmm. And there was actually his opening act was a black ventriloquist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that guy, they'd sit by traveling together. He started teaching her as a little girl. He mm-hmm. taught her ventriloquism. Oh. Uh-huh. And it uh-huh. led to lamp chop. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, little sock, yeah. 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 yeah there's a ventriloquist back in the turn of the century, back in the days of vaudeville, uh, a black ventriloquist. He had a, he had several, I, I can't remember his name, but he had several characters. Where he had a, they, he was, they were operated, he, they were all on some kind of a little platform where he could operate, operate them all uh, by just uh, standing in one spot kind of situation. I cannot. I can't remember his and, name, but he was. It was good. Bonville was good. 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 Good day. Good days. Bonville. Now, now here's something that's really strange to me. Like the same way we used to have mimics mm-hmm. years ago: Frank Gorshin, Rich Little, Will Jordan, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Kirby. Yeah, oh, so many. I love George Kirby. Oh, yeah. And he did Pearl, his Pearl Bailey. Pearl, oh, Pearl. oh, my God. The he, best. He did all of the female. Yes, on the copycats. Uh-huh. Yeah, he would yeah. do like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. And he would do that, um, what, Ella Fitzgerald. Sure, sure. He would do. Well, you were saying it's a dying art, oh, ventriloquism? Yeah. Well, it's like, so ventriloquism and mimics and comedy teams... Mm-hmm. They all disappeared except for Vegas. And magicians a little bit, too. Yeah, magicians, yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. they In Vegas, they're still popular. Mm-hmm. But on mm-hmm. regular TV, I grew up watching all of that. So many. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the Ed Sullivan show, too. They, of course. They, 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 oh, senior, yeah. Senior Wences. Well, weren't they telling you it was passe way back then, Willie, when you first started? They were telling you that ventriloquism was... Well, it, again, when I was doing it, it was like people just wondered why I was doing something mm-hmm. like that because they were saying, "Why, why, why are you doing that?" You know, that, that kind of situation. That's why. That's why a lot of you find some people who are really successful in business. What you have to do, something. If you listen to what everybody says, that can like uh, you know, of course, de- deflate what what you're trying to do. So what what I would do is like you you, is you put blinders on. It's like blinders, and, and people people saying stuff. People saying stuff, ne- negative stuff, you know, and you just you, you let it bounce off. Yeah, follow your bliss, because, man. Be, yeah, because if you listen to that, you wouldn't get anywhere. It, it, that that kind of situation. The last pl- uh, the last place uh, impressionists are appearing is on this podcast. 
Oh, <laughs> we, that's right. We had Mar- yeah. we had Marilyn Michaels, Will Jordan, and Rich Little. They were all here. Yes. Oh, on, cool. <laughs> uh, on this show. And you Very are our good. first ventriloquist out of 200, Willie. Oh, wow. Out wow, of 200 wow. guests. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and speaking of which, is uh, has Lester arrived yet? I think. Uh, has he checked see. in? Yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I'm, I'm gonna step out. Yeah, I gotta, yeah, get, we'll, I gotta get. Yeah, see if, see if yeah. you can bring a. Wait a minute, I keep this on. Out having a cup of coffee or what? Bring him in. No, no, he, <laughs> no he's the, the doorknob. The doorknob. The doorknob is too high. Gotta, <laughs> Lester is going to join us. Okay. Oh, here he is. You okay? I'm okay. What's this? What's this? What's the, this mic. Can can you guys see see me? Lester, we see you. How you doing? Uh, can I can't hear. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he's putting, Willie's putting headphones on Lester now. <laughs> and Lester has a has a baseball. He's got a cap. baseball cap. I appreciate that you brought him his own headphones. <laughs> no, this on, what are you doing there? Hang on, you got an hour? Okay. <laughs> Hang on a second, I got you. Yeah, I just just (laughs) realized that. (laughs) He's putting (laughs) headphones on Lester. (laughs) Oh, here we go. There we go. There we go. (laughs) We got it. Fantastic. Lester, can you hear us now? Huh? Oh, hey, say something. Go ahead, Gil. Yeah. Hey, 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 Gilbert. Yes. How you doing? Hi. How are you, Lester? <laughs> Who else is there, Frank? Yep, that's me. How you doing? How, How you doing, you? Lester? I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm fine. I can hear you. I can hear you. We had a question for you. <laughs> you. You enjoy working with this guy all these years? Carrying him the way you have? Yeah, he's cool. He's my right hand. <laughs> <laughs> Willie, do you go ahead, Gil? You got a question for Lester? <laughs> <laughs> Lester, do you remember the time that your partner, your heartless partner, threw you into a trunk <laughs> and threw you on the ground? Yeah, that's how. That's the story of my life. Story of my life. <laughs> I was born in a suitcase, though. And then that group called a uh, minute work. Yeah, minute work. They did a song about me. Called Man in the Suitcase. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. That's a true story. Yeah, Man in the Suitcase. We are we are keeping Edberg, Edgar Bergen's spirit alive by doing ventriloquism on an audio medium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the way cool. he did it on that, radio. That's good. <laughs> that was one of the things I noticed with Edgar Bergen. He was a ventriloquist on radio, which was like being a magician on radio. Mm-hmm. And when when you see him on TV, I guess he was so used to radio, his mouth would be moving like crazy. Well, you know, I, I talked to him. You know, when we we talked about this, this particular back on in radio, there were scripts. You know, Bob Hope, everybody read scripts. Yep. Excuse me, but when you're doing uh, when you're doing radio, you're not you're not. It's not like TV where you can see and hear. On radio, you could only hear. So he had to articulate. And in other words, when sometimes when ventriloquists say particular things, they don't say, uh, like, they don't say the boy went to the store. They say the boy, the boy went to the store. 
And on radio, if you're hearing the boy went to the store, I mean, it's like what the people listening said, what? what oh, I what, see. What, That's what, interesting. So he oh. cheated. He moved his lips. So all of those scripts, and he became popular and stuff like that. And so by the time television came along, it didn't really matter. He, he, he moved his lips, but it didn't, didn't matter because Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd, everybody loved them. I love I that. I did not know that. I did not know that. Lester, how old are you, by the way, now? I don't know. Sony Olden and Count Nine Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a story, Lester, of Willie losing you or misplacing you, Lake Tahoe? Does that ring a bell? There's, it's Lake Tahoe, but there's another story. There's another story real quick because we're talking about New York. You guys in New York? Yeah. I, I, I'd gone someplace, and I, and I was taking a bus to come back. It was, it was either it was over in New Jersey or something, but I was taking a bus back to right down on, on 8th Avenue or something like that, where they had a bus station someplace near the post office or something like that. But anyway, I got to the bus station, and uh, I got out, and my bag was underneath the bus. You know, you know, you put the bags on the because it's sure. a big bag. So I got up and I got, I, I reached down to get my bag. I got my, I got the bag. I pulled it out, and I started walking with it. And I looked at it, and it wasn't my bag. It looked like my bag, but it wasn't my bag. Lester was in that bag. You didn't tell me that, man. No, wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> so, uh, what happened was like a, a situation where I, I started to walk. I figured if I walk real fast, maybe I can find a person. Maybe I can find. Oh, <laughs> they just thank you. Put thank you. The mic. In front yeah, you could. You couldn't hear me. Make sure we can hear Lester. There you go. And so, um, what I was like, I was going to go down the escalator, and a lady was coming up the escalator with the with the, with the bag. She noticed that it was, it was the wrong bag. So I was lucky enough that day to get my bag, and she got her bag back. But Imagine her surprise if she'd opened the bag. Well, was, she... well no, it was, it was, it was, I had it locked. Oh, good. I, I, when I'm in the suitcase, I, I put the, the, the lock on, that chain thing on. I got a chain thing on that in the inside. Yeah, you need privacy. Oh. Yeah, that's the, inside, that's the inside story. <laughs> could, but, uh, I, could I ask the two of you, uh, do you have some small bit from your act that you could do for us right now? Let's see. I thought we were, I thought we were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what happens, you know, what, what, what we're growing up and working those particular clubs we talked about doing, yeah. what we would do is, like, we would never uh, have a, like, a, a, a like, like the Apollo and places like that. Yeah. You couldn't do a prepared act. Like, oh. for example, if, if Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, they did Who's On First? All scripted, yeah. They're scripted, but when you've got hecklers and people like that, you couldn't do, you couldn't do anything like that. Because you had to do little pieces of th things. Because if you interrupted, you would ad lib and then come back to something else. I see. And, and so basically, what that's what basically we would do. And the kids at the Apollo, some days when the, when there wasn't like a lot of people in there, some kids they would let kid let, let let the audience stay in for the next show, you know. And so if uh, they would know your jokes, the second show they know your joke, and they would jump on the punchlines before you would jump on the punchlines. So we would have always had to play, we always had to play a game with them. Wow! So you always had to be different. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I, but I'll tell you something. I got something here. I went down to Florida, 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 Florida. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you go to the beach, I went to the beach, and you know what happens? You, you see those women in those bathing suits, and they yeah. do they they look real fast with their booty. What is that called? <laughs> that's called that's called twerking, twerking, huh? 
twerking. Oh, okay. Can't, can't you say that? No, 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 I, I can't say that. Why can't you say twerking? Because your, your lips will move. <laughs> I'm just singing. I love it. Thank you much. Now, now, Willie, can can we get you to <laughs> or Lester actually, Lester? Can we get you to say the word "fuck"? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, he's not. No, gonna. no, 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 no. He's nope. not going to work blue for you. <laughs> no, no, no. Can we throw I some didn't... wild, some wild names at you guys, quick? Go ahead. You worked with Lola Falana. Don Rickles, Charlie Callis, yeah. Slappy White. Any of these? Any of these names? <laughs> bring up, bring Sla- up a, an anecdote or a memory. No, it's not Slappy White. It used to be Red Fox's uh, 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 comedy. They had a comedy team. Sure. Slappy, Slappy White and, and Red Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and, uh, Slappy White later teamed up with Steve Rossi. He did. Yeah, they, yeah. They tried to do the uh, that. The, they tried to Briefly. put the team back together. Yeah. yeah uh huh. I remember that. Oh yes. I remember it well. I can't sing too much stuff yet. I can't sing too much because you got to taste it. Oh, and in the movie, did you have dealings with, well, it had a great cast. John Voight. Yeah, and Bruce Dern and Jane Fonda. Yeah, it's like that was done in Ranchos Los Amigos Hospital down in Downey. Yeah. That's where they did the hospital scenes. And, uh, well, you know, John Voight, what he would do, because he, he was on a gurney you know, all the way through the movie. You know, yeah. he could, he could, uh, he would stay like we, we filmed during the week and stuff like that. He would, even at nighttime, he would stay in the hospital. It was like a closed portion of the hospital that they never used, you know. But he would stay in a little room there all the time he filmed that. You know, he would, he, people would go home and stuff like that. He would stay in that little room at that, in that, in that, in that hospital. I mean, it was like an area where nobody was, it was yeah. just a closed area. Hell of he a movie. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Willie, you're still out there. You're still. I, I mean, I saw you in Letterman a couple of years ago. You're still performing. Both oh, yeah, of you, yeah. both of you guys. Yeah, they're still doing it. Yeah, yeah. Still doing it. Still fighting the good I, fight. I, I, yeah, I remember the old days when I was in Old Town. I used to do. Yeah, and I used to do with the four taunts before they got with Old Town. But when they got with Old Town, they had to change their name. Why did they change the name? What did they call it? When you were with them, what did they call you? What did you call yourselves? Four tops and a stick. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's coming up, Willie? You got anything coming up you want to plug? We're working on a, a documentary. Oh, great. We did a documentary on, on uh, our, our lives, right? Right. We're working on that. I was going to say, you, you, you should write a book or, or, or make a documentary or something. You've done everything. You've been everywhere. Yeah, they, yeah but they, they, the documentary's going on. That's yeah, great. Now. They interviewed uh-huh. me for your documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Last last question I got. This is from one of our uh, our listeners, uh, Willie Mark Arnold. Wants to know: Will you ever reissue your Motown uh, LP? Hello, Dummy. Hello, Dummy. It's 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 out there. Is it's it out there? there? Yeah. It's like uh, I think I see them on the, uh, iTunes and so. You know, it's it's a, it's. Oh, out can there. people get it on uh, iTunes? Well, let's see. It's it, it's out there. Or if it's not out there. It'll be out there soon because okay. we, we're working on getting that together. And, and Hello Dummy was done live at the Fox Theater in Detroit. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And did mm-hmm. Don Rickles ever insult the two of you? 
No, no, Don Rickles, he's my friend. I like Don Rickles. He's cool with me. You know, Don Rickles, he, he was a really down-to-earth guy. You know, when, he, when, when people, when cars would come and pick him up at the airport, you know, limos, he would sit up front. He would sit with the driver. He didn't want to sit. He didn't ever sat in the back. He never wanted. Oh, to he didn't have wow. a. He didn't have a star trip. Yeah, 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 yeah. He sat with the driver. I, I nice heard. Like, I like yeah. that. I heard with Don Rickles, total opposite of his persona. He was just one of the most gentle and nice guys you'd ever meet. Yeah, it's nice, nice man, nice man. You know, like uh, it's almost like uh, Sherman Hemsley, the character he played on the Jeffersons. Yeah. George. When we were, yeah, when we were doing the, uh, when we were doing the uh, scenes and stuff like that, you know, he's boisterous, boisterous and stuff like that. But then when we uh, took time off and stuff, he'd go and sit in the corner, just quiet, very you know, quiet, quiet guy. People go and say hi. He said, "Hey, how did you, you ever work with Red Fox?" Red Fox, I worked with Red Fox. Well, remember Red Fox? Yeah, yeah, Red Fox. He's cool. Yeah, Red. I'll tell you a story. <laughs> Lester, Lester likes thing. everybody. Yeah, but Red Fox, he was a. Uh, I, like he was down to earth, and every time he he would see me, he would always say, "Where's the dummy?" You know, <laughs> he, he would always oh. say, that. "But but the, the real I might have t- told a story, but we I was in Detroit. He was working a club in Detroit. He would always work a lot of jazz clubs. You know, mm-hmm. where they had jazz groups and stuff. He would mm-hmm. come and do his comedy there. So I saw in the paper where he was going to be at the Baker's Keyboard Lounge Jazz Club on Eight Mile in Detroit. There. So what I would do, I went over. And um, I went in. It's a little small room. You know, the jazz group was playing. And then um, and, but the people in there that night, it was like one of those situations where they had a lot of people. When you got a lot of people who work together, sometimes they, they, the audience, you don't get their attention because they, they, they work together. So they're talking to each other because they haven't seen each other. And yeah. they, they, they work so it was that kind of an audience that night. So the... the, the, the uh, Trio. The trio, the trio, they were finished, and then they introduced Red. Red came up and stood by the piano, and he lighted a cigarette, and he started doing his, his, his act. But the audience, they were, they, were, they, were, they were boisterous, you know. But he would, he would keep going, and when he finished one cigarette, he lighted another cigarette, and he finished three cigarettes. See, he timed his act with cigarettes. Oh, See, one cigarette, did and, you know that? and, and wow. uh, that's cool. Flip Wilson did the same thing. Flip Wilson, you time, you, yeah, you, you time it. You know, once the cigarette is over, that's about five minutes. You know, anyway, he finished it. He finished. It wasn't like a situation where he would say, uh, "Shut up!" You know, you know that, that kind of, he, he didn't. He didn't lose it. He just did it like he was just doing it, like they weren't even there. And he finished his act. Finished, and he went out, and he, he, I saw him getting. He had a Lincoln. I remember he, a, he got in his Lincoln, and he drove away. You know, but it's the idea. Remember the old saying: "The show must go on if you want to get paid." <laughs> <laughs> That's Gilbert's motto. Oh yeah. <laughs> now, also, you were living in L.A. and you looked across the street and you saw a sign come up: "Comedy Store." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in 1972. I was out there, I was doing uh, the laugh-in, and then one night I came out of the, uh, uh, the Sunset Towers Hotel where, uh, uh, where I was staying, and I looked across the street, and I was, uh, there was a sign up there, you know, near the Hyatt house over there, and it was a comedy store. I said, wait a minute, that wasn't there last night. You know, anyway, I went over and... Uh, 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 Sammy. Uh, Sammy, Sammy Shore. Shore. Sammy Shore was at the door. You know, and he knew who I was. He said, Willie, I got this, I got this, we got this club going here. You know, if you want to come and do, do a set sometimes, you know, let us know, you know. So at that particular night, it was, it was, it was it just open. And I could look in that little window, because you can look in the window. And it, it gets, I saw a guy on stage, 
But then there's about six people. There were six people in the, in the, in the audience that night. It was just beginning. It was just beginning to see, see what, where, it's, where it's gone from then. And, and, yeah, and we just lost Mitzi. Yeah. yeah she yeah, just passed. Uh-huh. And, and I think you said Mitzi loved Lester. Mitzi would always talk to Lester. She would, I got a picture. Uh, I'll probably put it on on internet someplace. But it's the picture of her at uh, in uh, La Jolla at the La Jolla uh, Comedy Club. She's got a. She's holding Lester's got his, uh, Lester's her hand on Lester's cheek. But she'd always talk to Lester. Or well, when he, Lester wasn't around, she would always say, "Where Where is he? Where is he?" <laughs> and yeah. uh, she she was good at na- names because my brother would be come to the comedy store with me um, uh, sometimes, and she would as she, as she walked up and she'd see my brother. And she see me, and she says, "Hi, Willie, hi, Willie's brother." <laughs> and then she she, she walked away. She liked you, huh, Lester Mitzi, Mitzi Short? Yeah, she's nice. She's a nice lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She made me feel real. That was great. <laughs> well, comedy, comedy, comedy store. Rest, rest in and peace, Mitzi. Do, do you yes. think? Do you think Mitzi had good taste in that she liked you and wouldn't talk to your partner? Yeah, yeah, because she thought I was funnier. <laughs> She thought she thought he should be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, what's so, the name of the documentary, Willie? Does it have a Does it have a name no, and, no, a, and, no, a, and a, no, a release date? Working, no, work, working title now. Well, okay. Documentaries. We've been working on it. It's been in the works now for about eight, nine, nine months. The documentary. We got to go. What we got to? We got to go to Detroit. You know, the, the Motown things. We got to go. See, I was born in Alabama. Yes. Born in a little town in Alabama called Red Level. And uh, we've got to go down there. Oh know, man, you're really like, like, you're, you're really doing like, uh, deep deep uh, diving on this one. Yeah, yeah. You're going yeah, everywhere. Gonna be, yeah, it's going to be uh, in, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Tried to and, go to the and Gilbert's tried, in it. Tried, it tried yeah. to go to the we tried to go to where I was going, the Black Forest. <laughs> <laughs> the Black Forest. Okay, this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre. And we've been talking to the okay Willie Tyler and the extremely talented Lester. <laughs> Thank you much. Uh, Ray. Uh, you, you know how to you know, you know how to make a guy feel good. <laughs> hey, can you you guys could take us out with a couple of bars of one of your songs? Is, is uh, could we could we impose on you? You want to do that? How you gonna know if the roof leaks? Is it near the air the rains? How you gonna know if you got some smart? If you don't use your drain, if you don't use your drain, you came from the town, the other's getting dry. Not a drop of water, sails from the sky, diesel saying all sorts of things. You didn't wanna leave there, it was your life's routine. Say, hey, how you gonna know if the roof leaks, if the nether air the rains? How you gonna know if you got some smarts, if you don't use your drain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Lester. That was wonderful. No problem. I wish we were a visual medium <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not a, yeah. instead of a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, got some right. foot, we got some footage. Uh, our engineer, Frank Vergarosa and Dara, were taking some footage, so, so we'll, we'll share it with so, our fans. So we've been talking to the ventriloquist who can physically can't say fuck. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The great Willie Tyler. <laughs> Willie, and, thanks for this. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santapadre, with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to Paul Rayburn, John Murray, John Fodiatis, and Nutmeg Creative. Especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance. 